0: I hope this finds you well wherever you are in the world. Really stoked to get this episode to you. Been trying to make this happen for a long time. Salise is just an amazing musician and such a cool person. And I learned so much about her on this episode that I did not know. I did not know so many things about her. And she's just a delight to talk to. And a legit gear nerd. And she has amazing tone. I've heard it in person. She played a Benson Vincent right in front of me and Made me ashamed of myself because it does not sound like that when I play it. It was amazing. Anyway, just wanted to remind you about a couple ways you can support the podcast before we get right into the interview. And if you're planning on buying gear in the future, there's a really easy couple ways to do that. One being buy stuff through tonemob.com/reverb. If you're planning on doing anything on reverb.com in the near future, just use the link tonemob.com/reverb for whatever you're going to do. I've had a few people ask whether or not it works with the app and what some folks are doing. Shout out to Paul Marsh, who's the one uh, that pointed this out to me. They're using the app to add stuff to their cart and then using the link, ToneMob.com Reverb, to check out. And that is a way around that if you want to support the show that way. If you're planning on buying some new gear, you could do a lot worse than buying from Sweetwater. So you can go to ToneMob.com Sweetwater for anything that they carry to experience their wonderful customer service and get that sweet, sweet candy with every delivery. Delivery? Delivery. Yeah, that's how, that's how you say that. ToneMob.com slash Sweetwater or ToneMob.com slash Reverb for any of your gear, buying, selling, whatever things you're going to do. Also, if you want more of these conversations, you want to hear more stuff, you can go to Patreon.com, and for as little as $5 a month, you will get extra episodes to your ears every week, including some more talk with Solis. So There's some extended behind-the-scenes content that you're not experiencing. It's all over there at patreon.com slash tonemob, and you can select the level that is right for you. All right, let's move on. Let's get into the episode. Let's stop all this commercial nonsense. Let's get into it with Celise Henderson. She's amazing. Check this out. Oh, yeah, and just real quick, there were a lot of weird audio gremlins that crept up in this one. And it took a lot longer to edit because of that. And so, sorry for this being a little bit late, but you're going to notice some weird irregularities here and there. That sometimes happens when you're recording via the internet and, you know, it's just the way things go sometimes. So apologies for that, but it was such a good conversation, I don't think you're going to care all that much. But if you hear some weirdness, we know it's there, did the best we could with it, and enjoy the conversation anyway. All right, here we go. Hello everyone! Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host Blake Weiland, and with me today I have Celise Henderson, and I'm so stoked!
1: Woohoo! Thunderous applause!
0: So so much fun! <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to think of how long we've been trying to do this. It's got it has to be like a year and a no,
1: half. it's been at least because I I was thinking that earlier today, and I am. Um, so grateful well, you've been so patient. When you initially asked me, I really was like, "Oh, well, we should do this like when it's time to promote the record." And like, I mean, it's just, and then like the world fell apart, and you know, everything has just was just different yeah, now. Literally but, you know, everything. It's like happened. literally, this is the time. If there was any time to do podcasts, it's now. It is literally now when we can do. <laughs> <laughs> no one can go to any live shows maybe ever again. Who knows?
0: <laughs> oh, no, it ain't going to be like that. No, I can't, that's true. I can't, I can't let it be that way no, in my head. No, it's true.
1: That's actually true. And I actually really randomly yesterday took out a little, um, I have a little, like, Blackstar Superfly, like one of the, like, battery-operated little, like, solid-state amps, and I went. Yeah, yeah. Um, a local park, and I just, like, sat on, like, a little bench, and played for like an hour and it was really nice. And some people stopped and listened and kept walking and it was like, well, this feels at least adjacent to what I used to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was nice.
0: Oh man. I, uh, I, I would, uh, I would definitely stop and listen if well, I heard you playing well, in a park because nice. the first time I heard you play in Chris's shop chris benson Mm -hmm. for everybody who's listening Mm -hmm. i uh i remember you were playing a vincent yeah i think you ended up picking one up
1: i surely did i actually ended up picking up two. i just got like a backup from him a couple months ago there you go yeah
0: i i remember listening to you play through the that first one and i was like i remembered like chris was kind of working with some customers or something and i was telling you about it because i Knew a lot about that amp. Yeah, that's right. And then you you started ripping through it, and I was like, yeah, it doesn't sound like that when I play it
1: though. (laughs) Oh my god, that was such a fun day. I'm so glad you were were there to um, walk me through stuff too, because I've learned, as I'm sure you already knew about Benson amps. It's like I'm so used to, honestly, with any other amps I've ever played, even, even amps I love. I've been like a Fender style gal for many years. Um, I'm just so used to like having to be very particular about where the bass is set and where the treble is set and how the reverb is set. And you said that day that you're like, kind of anywhere I put it, it always just sounds good. It's always like, okay, well, let's just do that. And that's so true. I have yet to find like an unpleasing sound from these amps, which is like never happened. So yeah.
0: It's kind of a weird thing, right? Because normally it's like, ah, it's piercing my ears. Yes. Ah."
1: I know. And, and, you know, there's like a, there's a way in which there's like an immediacy to his amps that like, I don't even know how to explain it, but I mean, you have, you have once you get it, but like, it's so true, like whatever, whatever you're putting into it is what it's giving out to you that it's like, it's kind of. I feel like it's kind of making me a better player because I'm like, I'm really very clear about like, Oh, like there's not like sort of the fender compression and washy, washy, washy reverb. That sort of like, I don't know. And there's something about the response time too. That's like, it's, it's, it's very truthful. So um, it's really like I I, I I love his amps. And I was just saying the other day, do you have a Nathan Jr., by the way?
0: I don't, but I helped do the video, one of the videos for it and uh, have some experience with it. It's a great, great amp.
1: It really is a fantastic amp. And I told Chris, like, with 100 percent earnestness that I like. Plugged into, he he sent me one to borrow while I'm, while I'm here quarantined in Ann Arbor. And I had been playing through, you know, I'd been like using an Iridium and, and doing like plugins and that's its own thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But like, I hadn't plugged into like a tube amp in a few months and I <laughs> unpacked this Nathan Jr. And plugged in and started playing. And I literally started crying. Like, I was like, this sounds This amp sounds so good. Yes, I also haven't played in an amp through an amp for a long time. But like there is something really special about what he does. I I guess this podcast is just about an endorsement for Chris Benson, which is fine by me. But I (laughs) love him and I love his amps. And I said to him the other day that I'm like, I am truly a Benson believer for life and I will always play his amps. And I cannot imagine—I I truly cannot imagine—following falling in love with amp circuits in the way that I have with what he creates. They're really special; they really are.
0: I agree, and don't worry. This whole podcast has always been a Benson uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: totally. love fest. Totally. I think
0: Chris was on episode two.
1: Oh, and, cool. Uh,
0: cool. Yeah, so we've we've been we've like had a really. F- like well obviously we've followed very different paths but we've had like this weird similar tra- trajectory since we both kind of like started doing what we do in the gear world hmm. and um so it's been like we've been like cohorts in a in a weird way because I fell in love with his amps much the way that you did yeah just plugging into one one day he was actually servicing, He's serviced most of my amps at this point. Sure. Like he was tuning this Fender 75 that I have Mm, mm because it it would not sound good. Like if you got it to sound good on the clean channel, it wouldn't sound good on the dirty channel and vice versa.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So
0: he fixed that for me. And then I saw a Monarch in the corner of his, uh, well, it wasn't his shop at the time. He was actually here at Old Town Music Mm. in Portland. Mm. And I was like, what is that? He's like, oh yeah, that's a, that's my amp, you know? And I was like, just kind of casually, I'm like, your amp, you make your own amps. And that's that's when it all started. And this was a a long time ago. (laughs) I don't even know how long ago it was. It was a really long time ago.
1: Well, I really love him. And I'm glad you guys are connected because that means I'm connected to you, too. So that's really Awesome.
0: Oh, yeah, it's worked out uh, to be very mutually beneficial in getting podcast guests. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Totally. (laughs) Totally. You know, I'm so embarrassed to say that, like earlier today when I was like getting whatever telling the app to do this conversation, I was like, oh, I can't wait to have my my uh, conversation today with tone mob what is his name i've only (laughs) really interacted (laughs) with you literally like 99 percent over social media so it's always like i'm like i feel like he told me his name when we first met but i actually don't know because i only see comments and messages from tone mob so anyway i'm so glad to know that your name is blake
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's how you know most of the internet knows me yeah Tone Mob, some people know me as Tone Mob Blake.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: People in the Facebook group around this, this uh, blah, blah blah. my mouth's failing, Uh around this podcast, they know me a little bit better because it's, you know, me posting as me. But yeah, on, on all my social media, it's like Tone Mob Podcast. It's like, oh, who's that guy? Well, so, it's understandable.
1: He's Blake. I will never forget now, but I just thought it was funny earlier today. I was like, I cannot actually believe I've just been like oh yeah tone mob like that's not your name but (laughs) it's funny
0: for all intents and purposes it kind of is i guess (laughs) at least on instagram right
1: that's true (laughs) that's true but yeah
0: but what i want to know
1: Hmm.
0: i want to know your story
1: where did you start
0: playing like or when did you start playing rather and how you've had a crazy career before i ever knew anything about you so i want to know all of the details. Wow.
1: Well, this story is so random, and a lot of times people don't believe it. I guess they believe it more now these days, but when I first started on guitar, they were like, what? This makes no sense. But um, I come from a super, super musical family. My Both of my parents were music teachers and uh, choir teachers and instrumentalists and vocalists. They're both incredible. My dad. Uh, had a double bachelor's in piano performance and vocal performance, master's in choral conducting. My mom has a double bachelor's in violin performance, vocal performance, master's in choral conducting. So I came from just like super cultured, learned musicians um, who are both choir teachers and Uh, And also instrumentalist, And I grew up playing classical piano. The thing with my parents and uh, my sisters and I is like each person has to pick an instrument. Doesn't matter what it is. Whatever it is, you have to stick with it. I started on violin. I like hated it so much. My dad was like, you can switch to piano. But like once you switch, like that's it. So I played classical piano from like four until, I don't know, 17, 18. And all the while and sort of then like middle school and high school, I just started like picking up other things. Like I was in band and I was playing like saxophone. And then I was like in drumline in high school. And like, I just was always a person that was just interested in a lot of stuff. Excuse me. Sorry. And, um, I think it was like my, the summer after high school, I took a, my first interaction with guitar was taking like a community college course, beginner course. or I bought like a, $100 Ibanez at Guitar Center and learned how to play like, I don't know, the four chords to Brown Eyed Girl, I believe was like the purpose of like the whole semester. So I kind of got those chords. I have my little guitar. I by no means like, (laughs) other than those four chords, that's kind of like what I did forever. I had a, a whole life and career at that time, especially in theater. That's why I moved to New York. i was on the first national tour of Wicked when I was 20. And oh, whoa. Yeah, so that's like my first... I have a whole, like... It's really wild, actually. I mean, we'll get to all this, but it's it's so wild that so many people's sort of um, knowledge of me or context of me is as a guitarist because I, like... It's very much a thing I have fallen into and, like, did not expect. But I moved to New York... Um, yeah, to pursue acting and my first my first big job was touring with, with Wicked and then I moved to New York and um, did a lot of like guest work on TV shows like an episode on 30 Rock and Rescue Me and like just kind of all of that kind of stuff and a lot more theatrical projects and, and concert work and was in the Broadway revival of Godspell. Like, you know, that was sort of like my path. And all the while during that time, I had a guitar that I, like I said, I knew my sort of four chords and I would like write songs on the side, but it was never, ever a thing in my mind that like I would do professionally that I would pursue. I always sort of wanted to, to be on Broadway. And then when I was doing the last Broadway show that I was in, um, which was a uh, Godspell. And this is so, and this is in like 2012, I think. Um, I remember the context of that show without to go in, into it too much. It's weirdly the retelling of the book of Matthew in like modern day times. It's very strange thing to explain, but it is a fun show that's been around a long time and uh, it's a cast of 10 and there is with the exception of the, The character that plays Jesus and the character that plays Judas, the other eight cast members, all essentially—you don't necessarily play yourself, but your character name is yourself. Weirdly, so like I'm on stage. Oh, weird. Yeah, I'm on stage as Salise, right? And even and and the sort of director's uh, idea about how to do this particular production is that he wanted each person to sort of bring their own kind of like individual skill sets and tools and stuff to the show so in the show i played like i wrote this like spoken word piece and played djembe and i played ukulele and i had this number where it started on uke uh on like a little acoustic uke and then it and then the second verse when i was playing this like sort of like ukulele flying v looking thing and then the end of the show I had a Fender Strat and I was playing electric guitar. And at the time, you know, again, I still, I still have my like kind of like four or five chords. So I'm kind of like strumming along in this big rock and roll moment. And there was these two other guys who play guitar in the pit, one guy in particular, this guy named Tad DeBrock, who's a, now a dear friend, incredible guitarist, who were just like wailing every night. And I would hold this guitar every night and I'd always leave feeling like kind of like a fraud. But it's like, you know, this moment happens, but like, I'm not really playing anything. Like it was an E, I'm just playing, you know, da, 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 ja da, 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 you know, like not really doing anything. <laughs> so anyway, in that process, I've had this sort of like, a little bit of a come to Jesus moment where I felt like I am the most me that I could ever be in like a theatrical situation. And it's not enough. Like I, I have more to say artistically than this. So I made this decision at the time to step away. I left my agents at the time. Like I wanted to step away from theatrical work and to kind of refocus and put like a hundred percent of my focus in music. And and really like go for it as a singer-songwriter and like develop my skills and sort of all of that. So I like left doing that work. I said, okay, I'm gonna buy an electric guitar. And at the time, you know, I started playing shows like, um, and if you came to a show of mine at the time, I would do like one or two songs on acoustic guitar, and then I would do a thing on the djembe, and then I'd be at the piano, and then I'd be at the you guys. It, it was sort of like all over the place, right? And I had this idea, maybe the summer after God's book closed, where I was like, ah, I wanna learn how to play electric guitar. Like, I'm gonna buy a guitar and, like, let's just kind of see what's going on. So I bought a 1964 Harmony Rocket with an added Bigsby, having no idea that I ended up getting something freaking amazing and awesome. I just literally bought it because I was yeah. like, this is cute. Like, I just thought it was really cute. And it was $675 on eBay, which is, again, also like I just lucked out in all of these ways. I had no idea what I was falling into and whatever. So I buy this guitar. I get it home. I try to sort of play the songs I'd been playing on acoustic guitar on this. And I didn't really get it. And I was sort of annoyed. And I was like, I don't I don't understand. So the, the, the guitar goes to hang on my wall for maybe another, I don't know, six to eight months. Then I come back and I say, okay, you know what? I want to learn how to play just like the 12 bar blues, like something super simple. I just want to kind of like get myself kind of going. So I find some YouTube video on like how to play the 12 bar blues. And so I learned like, okay, cool. So then I'm like, okay, well I want to learn how to play like one little lick. So I find some video where I learn to play da, 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 da. Du, 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 du. you know what I mean and it's sort of like, oh yeah, very <clears throat> quickly, I just fell in love with this thing. I fell in love with electric guitar so hard and so fast and just became really obsessed with it um, and it so so the, so then the more that I started falling in love with guitar, it all of a sudden, focused my own music in this way where it sort of like gave me this this it took all of these sort of different influences and and focused everything and then sort of as all this is happening I started doing more work um started doing more background work and I started like I was hired to run background vocals for Melissa Etheridge and like I'm out on the road with her <clears throat> at the time and her drummer was somebody that I knew from New York, this guy, Brian Delaney, who had played a bunch of gigs um, sort of in my own project. And he had said to her at some point, like, oh, you know, Sleaze plays guitar. So she comes into uh, Soundcheck one day and she's like, hey, you know, my wife and I spent a couple hours like watching a bunch of videos of you, like on YouTube, like you're amazing. I had no idea that you. Played it. I was like, oh, thank you so much. And she's like, Oh, we should have you play sometime. Like it was super casual. And I was like, What? Okay, whoa. And I I truly kind of didn't think anything of it until a couple of months later, an opportunity came up where she was like, Yeah, like come out and do these like a couple weeks of dates and we'll have you play. And and Melissa is so um, she's so cool and chill and lax that like the vibe was very it was very just kind of like oh just kind of feel it out like there there was no like oh i'm looking for this or like focus on this or like at all and the way that she works too like a lot of those artists that have catalogs as big as hers she kind of does these master set lists where you'll have like 40 50 songs that she could pull from and then she's sort of like making a different set list like each night right so I, because I'm a crazy person and I also saw like the opportunity in it. I was like, okay, I'm going to take these songs on this master set list and I'm going to shed, um, as hard as I can on them. And like, I don't know if she's going to be playing rhythm or if she's going to be playing lead. So I'm just going to kind of be ready to do whatever. Like I'll play the lead stuff. If she's not like, I'll play the rhythm stuff. So I showed up, you know, to our like first sound check, uh, with no rehearsal, mind you to do it. And she comes out and she's like, okay, well, let's run whatever, whatever particular first number we did at the time. And we start we start going and I start playing, and she kind of turns around at me and she's like, whoa, like, okay, like and and that first show, she kept there kept being these moments. Where she kept sort of turning upstage and was like, I think legitimately shocked at like how I don't know if it was about how good I sounded necessarily, or as much as it was like how like maybe proficient. I was, I think maybe the assumption maybe was that I'd be back there just kind of like chunking along, you know, but I really took it super seriously. And once that happened, it sort of opened the door to start playing with her more. And, and then as soon as one person does that, then all of a sudden people start calling you to, to do that. So that's a, this is a very long way of saying I never, ever set out to be anybody's guitarist. I never had a vision for myself of like having my own project where I'm like fronting, you know, a band in this way where I'm like on electric guitar, like doing that whole thing. I I had no vision of playing for other artists. Like it really has just been the sort of thing where I started getting into these, these situations where people are like, Oh, we hear you play. Like you should come play. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And I'm, you know, a lot of times like learning on the job, a lot of times being asked to do a gig and like cramming as much as I can the week leading up to the gig. Like it's been very, um, wild, but that's a, that's a very sort of like, I don't know, long story, semi long slash (laughs) short version of, um, (laughs) kind of how I got here. If that at all makes sense.
0: It does. It also is kind of interesting to think about because, like, you, you know, the, the frames of context that people have for you are varied, right? So I knew you as an amazing guitar player first. So that was my first uh, frame of reference for you. And then I go to find your music that you recorded by yourself, and I'm like, oh, she's not only a great guitar player, she's got an incredible voice, too, and can write songs. I'm like that's cool. And then then we're here talking and I'm like, "Oh, wait, you were on Broadway?" Like, yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> like you've done all these things yeah. that are totally not within my wheelhouse. Broadway is something that, you know, because I'm a typical like rock dude, mm-hmm. like I di- I was very unfamiliar with it and not really all that interested in it until I was told by one of my good friends, uh Leon, who runs Pelican Noise Works. Hmm. And my- I was in New York and he he was like, you have to go to a Broadway show. And my wife really wanted to go to a Broadway show. And I'm like, OK, yeah. all right. <laughs> and so I go to see Wicked. Uh, You know, ironically enough, I suppose. Yeah. And I was blown away. Yeah. I didn't understand what a Broadway show was. Yeah, I didn't sh- get it sure, until sure. I actually went there and experienced You're it. You're like, oh, so,
1: OK, this is cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a totally different thing than I think what um most most people think it is. I oh, guess totally. if you've never experienced it before.
1: Totally. I think it's I mean, it's so special. I love theater. I mean that's where I like really where like I come from and um plan on would love to go back and do that kind of work again, um in some years. But yeah, I mean I really the guitar thing has been like I mean, it's so fun, and it's why I've I've said many times. I've started to accept it now, but for a long time, I'm like, I don't, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be called a guitarist because I'm like, it's it's the sort of thing where I think a lot of people will say, like, if you learn one instrument, like I had all this training, right, this classical training uh, uh, as a piano player, like. There, You do have a lot of information that can transfer. Like if you're the sort of person that can like, you know, go into the shed and make things happen. Like you can start to transfer that information to a lot of other instruments, you know. But with the guitar, Mm -hmm. like I had come from like a really trained background with all these other things. And the guitar was always just this sort of like thing I had on the side that like nobody's paying attention to. No one's judging. Nobody's looking at it. It's just like a fun thing. And I felt in love so hard, so fast and progressed so quickly. People started assuming that like I was something different. <laughs> I mean, like that I like, you know what I mean? than I ever sort of professed to be. Um, and I'm like, I'm still even a little hesitant to be like Oh, I'm this guitarist. I'm this guitar, like whatever. Cause I'm like, I just know that I love the thing. I know that I love playing. I know that I love like discovering new things, like discovering new pedals, new amps. Like it's all still actually quite new for me. I've been doing it six or seven years now. So like I have, it's feels very like I'm in the honeymoon phase and I, I, I want to stay there as opposed to like, I feel like as soon as you're like, I'm this or I'm that, that's when all of the things sort of are invited for the judgments of what you are and what you aren't or what. And I'm like, I I just know that I love it. <laughs> that's all. That's all I know.
0: <laughs> you, just, you just crushed a lot of people right now, uh, myself included, because I've been playing for, I don't know, probably... 17 or 18 years at this mm-hmm, point mm-hmm. and yeah i can't do what you do and neither can three quarters of the people listening well, <laughs> to this podcast probably i don't want to judge no but, uh. it's
1: whatever i mean it's whatever <laughs> but i but i also think like I, it's exciting for me to feel um i mean as you could tell i got i got started in the business just in entertainment and music and all of this so young my first I was working right out of high school. Like I said, I got wicked when I was 20. I was in a show before that for two years in San Francisco at 18. So there's a lot of ways in which I feel very, like very seasoned and like, which is awesome. But then sometimes things aren't, don't become as exciting as new, as fresh as they used to be. And the guitar just feels like there's such an innocence with my love for guitar. And I, I don't want that to ever leave. So, I don't know.
0: Well, and you came into it at a time that was really, really unique in the history of guitar because, like, you've got all these Chase Bliss pedals and, you mm-hmm. know, like, all these really unique builders and things that you've kind of seemingly dove headfirst into yeah. the the gear side of things, too. Yeah, like, totally. Which is vast, as you yes. probably are very aware of. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. Totally. Yes, it is. And I also, like... I just, as who I am as a human being, I like small business. I like knowing who's made the thing that I'm using, you know? So a lot of that has been dictated too, and just, and truly making relationships with people. Like I reached out to, I reached out to Joel Court at Chase Bliss, when all he had was the womb t- no, the Warped Vinyl. I think it was maybe the second version had come just come out or something. And at the time, I had literally done nothing. I had not played with anybody fancy, like it was nothing. I had maybe been playing for like a year or two. And I had just reached out saying, hey, I'm an artist and I'm interested in what you're doing and I'd love to try to get one of your pedals, but I'm basically broke. Will you give me a discount? I mean, that kind of email. And at the time, Joel reached back and I had sent him some clips of music and he was like, I like your music and I want to help. And so he gave me like, you know, a break on one of his pedals. And that's how our relationship started. Um, and then since then, because now I happen to just love Joel on top of the fact that like what he creates oh, is so amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like it feels like um I'm I feel so lucky that I'm I'm I happen to really love this guy and I'm aligned with this company who makes some of the best things out there. I'm like I don't necessarily want for other things because I'm like you can't I mean especially now, you can't play through the Automaton, the MK2 and be like, "Oh, cool, but there's probably another overdrive pedal out there." There's not. I'm here to tell everybody that's listening I, I've I've played many. I've also played through some pretty amazing um, amps through some fancy people who have amazing things. And that that OD fuzz automotone beach collaboration with Chase Bliss and Benson amps is is otherworldly. I, I there's no other word to describe it. It is so good, and I cannot imagine wanting for anything else for a long time doesn't mean that i won't get something else for a long time for whatever the reason but that is there's there's not a thing that you can't do with that thing and that it does not sound amazing at have you played it yet blake
0: i played it at nam i haven't played it through my own stuff yet although i hope to change that very soon
1: so even at nam the version at nam is like the a version or two even before what it is now it is like so I know it's hard for everybody right now money is hard for everybody right now I'm not I'm not suggesting that people put themselves out of house and home but if you're even semi considering if it's worth the money I think it's once you have one you're like well I would have paid twice as much for this it's really it's unreal it really is like not to be believed (laughs) I mean honestly it sounds so good
0: that is uh that's as good of an endorsement as you're going to get. Then, I folks. mean truly.
1: So, I it's truthful. I'm I'm being paid nothing to say it. It's just true. It's very good.
0: So, um I I told I don't I haven't done this in a little while, but mm. I told the people in the Facebook group that you were coming on. Mm. And largely the response was
1: Boo, Oh, I love her. her.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. cool. <laughs>
0: um there was a there was actually like less questions and more just like tell Celise that I love her. Oh, so, that's um, so nice. There was
1: that's really <laughs> nice.
0: Cool. But there were there were a few. Most of them revolved around your love for SGs.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Sure.
0: So why the SG, what got you into it?
1: Wow, this is so cool. Um, so now having just heard a bit of my history. So much of this, so many of the things that I've sort of landed on has just been because I really am in the context of where most people are. Um, so new to all of this. So I'm kind of like, Oh, let me try this. Or let me try that. Or let's see, like, I'm, you know, I haven't been precious about anything f- for a while, I think. And, but when i started to kind of really get into guitar and i started hearing music differently i like all of a sudden started hearing my hendrix records and earth wind and fire records and like all this music i'd loved for all these years i started like hearing the guitars differently um i like started going down this deep dive with sister rosetta tharp uh, because as so many people um sadly came to know about her much too late in life considering the fact that she's the reason why we have this genre called rock and roll music at the, the, the roots of it really, really start with her. But, um, I started getting 100%. into her, you know what I mean? Right. So I started getting into her, I became obsessed with her, obsessed with her story. And I was like, Oh my God, that guitar is so freaking cool. So again, similar to even my harmony, I was like, I didn't even have enough information at the time to, to say, oh, the humbuckers or, oh, the, the tremolo arm or whatever. I just was like, that guitar is so cool. This woman is a hero of mine. Also, so many incredible players have played that white SG, that 63 SG Customs. Now, since then, I just really want one. Like, it's, so it just all, had always been a thing in my mind. Then maybe two years ago, I got connected with, uh, Ray Vinton at Gibson, one of the like, uh, amazing sort of like artists, I don't know to call them artist relations or whatever, but one of the people that sort of deal with artists over there. And we have this first initial conversation where she's just basically like, yeah, I've been, and at the time, I think I, I had a, a three thirty nine that I love that I've, I've been playing a lot. And she was like, you know, I'm just, just been seeing you around on social media and I just wanted to connect with you and you know, if you have any needs and. In any any loaners or anything like that, and she's like, or, or anything you want to try out, and I immediately was like, listen, I really, really, really want uh, one of the sixty-three reissues of these these customs because I at that time had been sort of like low-key looking for them um, to pop up on eBay or Reverb, but they're 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 actually not a lot of them made, and when they come around, a lot of times they're not cheap. Like the reissues are six grand seven grand like not a cheap guitar right so mm-hmm. i immediately am like oh i would love you know one of these customs if if there if you know of any lying around whatever she's like yeah i'm sure we could figure that out for you literally like nine ten months pass nothing happens there i i kind of forget about it she calls me one day and it's like i got your sg custom i we've got one at the custom shop i'm gonna send it to you um and at the time i am like i I don't know if I'm being sent to to keep, if I'm sending it just so I can play, I have no clue, but I was so excited, got the guitar in my hands. And immediately I was like, (laughs) I do not have, and I can still uh, stay this and, and I have a lot of guitars that I love, but there is something about that guitar, the wood, the craftsmanship on like the fretboard work, The ebony, like all all, the way that everything comes together, it is my most resonant guitar. The pickups are the most, the most nuanced and the most complex. There's a warmth to those pickups. And also, but then the bridge bites, but not in that like harsh, too harsh in my ears way. Like there's, there's just something about it. There's like, it's like the, you can get, the warmth and the bottom end that you get in a semi-hollow but then also still get that direct the same bite that you can also get with like a strat you know that it's 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 like the only guitar i have found certainly yet where i know that i could take an sg that sg in particular to a gig and and if i just had to play that guitar i could you know what i'm saying that like i can make it all happen on that thing so I just like, I fell really hard once I got my hands on those or on that one. And now since then, I've just been like, I'm just really interested in them. I'm really interested in like the history of them, how they like, what it means when it's like a wider neck and a wider nut. And like, I just think they're really interesting sounding guitars. And also the access to all those extra frets too is also hard to, it's hard to not love once you have all that space up there. You, you kind of don't want to go back. You know what I mean? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I've been a Les Paul guy mm. for a very long time. Mm-hmm. My first electric was a Les Paul. And my friend Jess, is, who I think you've met actually, um, oh, was, is, a, is more of an SG guy in the, in the Gibson department. Yes. He's really uh-huh. more of a, a Strat guy. Mm-hmm. But he, <laughs> when it goes, comes to Gibsons, he really likes SGs. Yeah. And I, for the longest time, even before I actually knew about Sister Rosetta, I saw that guitar and I thought, if I'm going to own an SG, that is the one. Oh, yeah. Because look at that thing. No,
1: I know. Just look at it. I know. I know it. It's so cool. It really is a cool looking thing. And I also think like, I mean, kind of like what you were sort of alluding to, too. Like, I like everybody else. I had that rocket, right? And I will, that's, a, that's one of those guitars that like I play at anytime. It's my gig, that guitar is always there. Cause there's just such a vibe to it. But, um, I bought a Strat like everybody else and I love Strats by the way. I, I love Strats. Don't, don't tell Gibson I said it, but I think Strats are fantastic. And I have a, <laughs> I have a really fantastic 74 hardtail that has a great story behind it. I'll, I'll tell you at some other time, but, um, I had started playing strats and really loved playing strats. Like that had been my like sort of go-to for a really like rocking heavy, like lead tone. Cause that's, I mean, that's the context that so many of us have right with so many incredible players. Um, but I just felt like when I played an SG, it all of a sudden felt like there's a, there's just a beefiness. There's a beefiness to the tone of humbuckers That I don't, I don't want, it's like, I don't want to be in that like Strat versus SGs because I'm like, I think there's, there's an argument for all, they're all great guitars and it's just about like what you're going for. But for me, there's just something about an SG that I think is really interesting. And there's also a little aspect of it, if I'm completely honest, that also feels like carrying on a legacy of of Sister R that feels also really good, that this guitar is is so synonymous with this woman that is so important that we're just starting to talk about. And I feel as a black woman playing electric guitar in a rock and roll space that I'm standing on her shoulder. So I also, there's just that sort of like symbiotic representation there too that I, that feels important, you know?
0: If I had to take a wild guess, I would imagine she wouldn't have anyone else, <laughs> you know, I imagine you're exactly the person she would want to carry on that kind of legacy that she established.
1: Well, that's and nice. I hope so. I hope that's true.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's, it is bizarre. I'll be honest. It's really bizarre that, like, we are just starting to talk about her considering, like, the first clip I watched, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it was, you know, Probably five ish years ago when mm-hmm. I when I saw her for the first time, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What are we doing?" Uh, yeah, Hendrix is amazing, of course. Let's not let's not say he's not, but yeah, this lady.
1: I know. No, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Actually, I'm very. I've been saying this publicly, and I will continue to say it because I believe it to be true. But like, I am very. I very much believe that a movie will be made about her at some point, hopefully soon. And I a thousand percent believe that I will be the woman playing that role who knows we'll see when it happens but we, we we need to know about this woman and we need to know about her in a big way and I just think her I think her story also is so interesting and fairy telling of our industry and have you read the book on her by a uh, Gail Wald shout sister shout because it's pretty amazing I have
0: not but it sounds like I'm about to
1: yes that is a great it is a fantastic book, especially for anybody who's um, listening and is looking for new things to read. You will learn so many things, one of which, which I think is really interesting, is that she's the first artist to have ever had like the version of what we all know now as like tour buses, like with sleeping quarters and um, sort of like dressing quarters versus like sort of the front, like lounge area. Like she was the first person to... Ever do that. And at the time, as a, as a Decca recording artist, it was out of necessity because she was traveling with her. I believe she was traveling with, like, it was when it was Sister Rosetta and the Rosettes. So she had, like, three um, young black women uh, vocalists behind her, but then also her band were the Jordanaires, a uh, young white uh, male group. And in a lot of places they went to in the South, they weren't really safe. They weren't they weren't the same accommodations for both. There weren't um, It just it just didn't make sense for them to try to stay in like whatever housing and stuff was available. So she bought this bus and basically converted it so that there would be areas for everybody to like get dressed and to be able to eat and to be able to sleep and to be safe to do that. And now it's literally like that idea and that design was the basis for like how we know the tour bus to be now. It started with her.
0: That is really interesting because I've actually wondered that question before, like pondered. Like, yeah. What was the first tour bus? Like yeah. that wasn't just a thing that, you know, everybody did. Right. It's like we it's become ubiquitous, but I had no idea that she was the one that like helped pioneer that. No, That's it's crazy. Her,
1: it's wild. It's wild. And it's one of the many things that you'll read and be like, how literally have we not been talking about this woman? Like all the time her life has been insane it really has so yeah read the book for sure she's a she is i think like a lot of people like i didn't buy a strat in a vacuum i bought a Strat because i love hendrix i bought it i love Nile rogers you know i love john mayer's playing like it's like there's a point of reference to go well that instrument like does a thing and i want that and she is what got me into even the ideas of sgs and now i'm like very sold sold on sgs for sure
0: well i mean i'm a hundred percent on board for signing a petition for you to star in that movie and get Great. this movie made awesome
1: Let's because, do because
0: i mean come on let's do this yeah. that would be amazing
1: yeah i'd love to do that i really i think it's i do think it's bound to happen we'll see if i'm in it but i the a movie has to happen because it's it's important, oh, and I yeah. do think it's you know we are the place where we are starting to talk about her. So I there will be enough people. I I certainly hope that will go. Oh, this should this this should be a, sto- a story that is told in a in a bigger, more robust way. So you know, a hundred yeah.
0: percent. Yeah, I'm I'm fully on board with that. Yeah, and I'm I guarantee you that like I don't know like. The, the, I just remember these first clips that I saw. I think yeah. I was actually at the Stacks Museum in Memphis. Oh, I yeah. I believe is where sure. I was. Sure. And I was like me and my dad were standing there just like jaws on the floor. Yeah. Like wha- where Where have we been? Like yeah. that we didn't know about this. This totally. doesn't make any sense. Totally. And then it turns out we're not alone. So I guess that makes me feel slightly better. But no, still, I mean, I didn't either. On, I
1: mean, and i come from like musical people, like a lot of musical, um, like people that were quite cultured in music. But I, I didn't know, I mean, I probably learned, learned about her really maybe seven, eight years ago. So I I think it's coming to our consciousness for all of us, but it's exciting because then we've got a lot of new music to get into or old music to get into now, you know, right. (laughs) You know,
0: well, let me see. I'm going to scroll through the Facebook group one more time. Make sure, sure we don't have any stragglers in there. Uh, it's going to be a must listen episode. Yes, it is. Indeed. You're That's right. Nice. Um, let's see. We talked about the Harmony. Talked about the SGs. Yeah. Oh, uh, Jimmy Archie.
1: Jimmy. You I love know. Jimmy. Oh, yeah, my God. Says, yeah.
0: Yeah. Give her my love. I put together her original Schmidt array board. Yes, he so there did. You go.
1: Jimmy's <laughs> a great guy, and he—if anybody's ever in any pedal board need—he is the guy to go to for sure. He's incredible.
0: I'm trying to get him to come on the show. I've been trying for a couple of years now since we first met in New York. And he York. says,
1: no, um, I will harass him. He must. Are you kidding? He knows.
0: <laughs> he has. He seems like a little gun shy. Oh, my God. Shy.
1: He has so many incredible stories, too, working for Gibson for many years. And now at the shop on 30th Street, he's inc- I mean, he's stories about BBK. I mean, he he's would be a great person to get on I'll, I'll help you yeah in that quest if i can for sure
0: <laughs> i appreciate that yeah, thank you for sure okay we have one question here that i think this would you're the perfect person to answer this okay. so uh, brandon brandon sauce he says what would you say is the most important thing aspiring female gu- guitarists need to hear also, I'm so stoked that my daughter gets to grow up seeing Silise and other female shredders paving the
1: way. Oh my gosh. So that there means you go. A lot, and that's really nice. The most important thing that a young female aspiring guitarist needs to know. I think she needs to know that she is no less capable than any possible male. Guitarists that she could think of any point of reference that she could think of where it, where the thought would be, well, I can't do that because the only people we see as rock stars, right? The story that we're told when we think about these like huge guitar gods, quote unquote, are, I mean, all the Kings, the Alberts, the, the BBs, the Freddies. Um, Muddy Waters, we, Keith Richards, Jeff Becks, Derek Trout, like, inc- I mean, obviously all incredible players, but it's all male. And like, we just, were are just saying Sister Rosetta Tharp is literally, quite literally, like uh, uh, without debate, the reason these, the foundation in which all the people I just mentioned stand on, yet we're just talking about now is because our country, you know, It has a real problem in forgetting its history, especially when it comes to women and people of color, um, in particular. So I think the thing to remember, yes, as a kid is like, as a, as a young girl is there are no limits to what you can do. And I hope the visibility of someone like me and so many other female, uh, guitarists um, around right now and that have come before me is that the more of us there are, the more that it'll start to become normalized That it's like, oh, what like a like rock and roll like queen can look like is this as well. Like that, 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 that rock and roll, um, the face of rock and roll can start to change. You know what I mean? hmm
0: Yeah. 100%. And. It's something that, like, has always been kind of confusing to me, Yeah, you know, because I've known so many women growing up that were, like, incredible musicians and better than me at (laughs) at Mm. the same instruments that we Mm. practice at. And it's like, it doesn't, it's just never really made a lot of sense. Yeah. Like why it's become sort of, well and I think it's, again, I think it's shifting, but why back in the day, maybe it was always viewed as sort of a masculine pursuit to play rock and yeah, roll. Yeah, It's
1: right. like,
0: well, that doesn't really make any sense. It's not like, I don't know. It's not, there's nothing inherently male about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know no, I there's mean? not. It's, it's no, just music.
1: Not. And it's, I mean, it's like even, um, just electric guitar in general. Right. Cause that's what I'm, I think there's more space. I think, um, People are less shocked. Well, I'll say it like this. Certainly when I first started, um, when I kind of just started to kind of refocus um, my energy and and the kind of music that I was playing in my own sort of, uh, my own original music, I would call musicians who maybe I'd gotten like referred to from other, other players I might've known and say, I call like a bass player and a drummer in keys and say, okay, I'm going to do this gig and we're going to play these songs and blah, blah, blah. And like, we'll do this rehearsal at this time. I would show up to rehearsal. This has happened more times than I can count where I would show up with, uh, let's say a pedal board and, and there's inevitably some guy in the room who's like, Oh, okay. Is that, who's that? for and it's like oh that's for me it's like oh okay and then I plug in said guitar into said pedal board and then it's it's literally like a look of confusion it's like I don't what and then when, when we're playing the music it's like on the break then it's like ah man I gotta tell you like I had no idea I just assumed that you like were the singer and there was a different thing and like where I understand on one hand where I think most people think it's a compliment it's sort of like, why is it just, why is it assumed that I wouldn't play? You know what I mean? And I think it's because the representation just hasn't been there. There hasn't been that point of reference for it to be really normalized, right? So, you know, I think we are in a different time. I mean, we are for sure because we're having this conversation. Like there's also so many incredible guitar female guitarists in the world and hopefully part of like... What I, my mission is to kind of also remind us of collectively of the women that have come before us that have been incredible this entire time. The Memphis Minis, the freaking like bonnie rates why isn't bonnie Raitt talked about all the time this is an unbelievable (laughs) guitarist that we're just people are always just like oh yeah like she's cool like she's a great voice her slide playing is i'm like her slide playing her feel is amazing she has been out here doing this for decades but yet she's not really in the conversation same with melissa etheridge a phenomenal guitarist like i dare you and i really mean dare you to find a better rhythm player than her. She is her rhythm is unreal, but she's never really in the conversation in the same way, right? So I don't know. I mean, I went on a little bit of a tangent, but i I think I think the conversation is changing, and I'm I'm excited to just be a person to have a, a little bit of notoriety and be able to say, "Hey, we're paying attention to me." Like. Here are all of the other amazing women to pay attention to, too, that have literally been here doing this this whole time. And it, they're amazing.
0: I don't know if it's a, a coincidence mm. or it's just my bias because they've all been guests on the show at this point. Mm. But my favorite current guitarists, like three of them that come to mind immediately, are women.
1: So Yeah, <laughs> totally.
0: You... Yvette Young and Emily Wolf.
1: Yeah. They've all been on the show. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh,
0: but, like, girls. genuinely are three of my favorite players right now. Yeah. And I, you know, I i don't know what else to say. Like, yeah. it kind of just proves the point, I, I suppose.
1: Yvette and Emily both are, like, so good. I mean, it's this is the incredible thing about guitar too, I think, is, like, it's, there's so many ways to come at it. I think more than any other instrument, like, At the end of the day, like a piano is a piano, like you can, there's going to be different like perspectives on how to, how to approach it. But like, you're not going to hear too many different sounds per se. You know what I mean? We're like with guitar, it's like, there's so many ways to approach it. There's so many ways to come at it. There's so many sounds and tones to pull from the thing. And I think it's really exciting when, when the door is wide open for literally anyone and everyone. To have license over this thing it's it's just really great and yeah really exciting so i i love those two girls you just mentioned they're both really interesting interesting nuanced players
0: absolutely yeah well we're closing in on the end of the show here Mm. and we've got a couple classic questions to get to but before (laughs) i do that this is your chance to put up a billboard Say whatever you want to say. Plug whatever you want to plug. Say hi to whoever you want to say hi to.
1: <laughs> okay. Hi, Mom. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, just like normally at a different time in life, I'd be like, Ch- catch me at this. I'm on this tour. I'm doing this thing. I'm releasing this thing. But honestly, right now, I'm like, I am. I am doing a deep dive into technique. I'm trying to force myself uh, to like really practice all the like modal, like all the sort of like annoying things that nobody really wants to practice. Like that's what I'm spending my time doing right now to like be able to come (laughs) out of this and be like, Oh, I got some more vocabulary. Um, So I don't really have anything to plug other than, I'm trying to make a lot of music and I have an album that I really, really, really love that I believe in very much that will come out at some point, realistically, probably 2021 now because I don't think, no, certainly no shade to anybody who is releasing music right now, but I think it's like, this is a really hard time to release a project when you can't really, you can't tour it, you can't promote it, like you can't really... What do you do right now? Well, none of us can really go anywhere, right? So it'll probably be 2021, but I've toyed around with, I honestly might just record some things. I might do like a different EP, like from my my apartment and just release it based on literally nothing um, and do that. Wait a minute, I'm so sorry. I've been in this large monologue. I do have something to promote, duh. I just released a single three weeks ago, hello. I released a single called freedom. (laughs) Oh my God, my brain. I did release a project that I actually had been working on for a couple of years. And then the timing just seemed to be exactly right. The right time to release it. I released a song, all of the, and the corresponding music video that I love very, very, very much. It is called freedom. You can find it either on my Instagram, on IGTV, or it's on YouTube. Um, it's able to be streamed, it's able to be downloaded and any and all proceeds um, received from either the downloading or streaming of that song or the viewing of that of that video will go to Campaign Zero and the Movement for Black Lives. Um, so, yeah, you could definitely check that out and definitely share that with your family and friends. As it's a project that has included over 150 volunteers and Took a couple years to put together, and I I love it very much. Love the song, and I love the video.
0: It's a great song. I I watched the video last night. I was like, oh, yeah, this is awesome.
1: Thank you. I'm glad you
0: brought it up because I forgot to. Oh, well, I
1: did too. I mean, this is literally so, like, such COVID life to just feel like. I forgot that I even did that. I'm just living in a haze of, like, Netflix and cereal.
0: (laughs) i yeah i understand <laughs> yeah i was just before i came out here to record my wife was like is it friday
1: And you're like i I'm like
0: i think so yeah it is because i'm recording yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. it's i'm recording with Celeste. Right. so yeah it's friday also
1: what's a friday <laughs> I guess. like what's even what's a day anymore does it even matter does it count <sighs> but yeah <sighs> who knows i know i know
0: it all right well now that we've got into that, now it's time for the classic questions. Okay. So the first one being, what is your favorite boss pedal?
1: Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm going to go with a classic blues driver as that was the first pedal that I ever got because it just seemed like it's a hundred bucks. Everybody has one. This is cool. So I... I've got a special place in my heart for it.
0: It's a good pedal. I don't yeah. think it gets
1: enough love. I think it's a great pedal, actually. I still have that one, and it sounds sounds great with strats. I know that.
0: Perfect. All right, here's the last question, and this is the one that, you know, is a little dicey, generates a little Uh-oh. bit of controversy. Uh-oh. What is your favorite kind of pizza?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Um favorite kind is gonna be like are we talking brand or are we just talking about like just like what's on well, it
0: i mean it can be brand it can be style it could be a favorite local place it could be okay. anything what is your just your favorite pizza okay. that, you, that you've ever eaten
1: this is gonna make me sound very basic but i just want everybody to stop their judgments and to just go with me on this Domino's has come back and is better than ever. I'm I'm here for a Domino's and Domino's does like a, it's like a hand handmade. There's a particular kind of crust I think that's handmade that makes it like particularly buttery and crispy and it's very good. And I like a Domino's handmade pizza with sausage and green peppers and cheese and sauce. It's very good. Oh, sausage, green peppers and mushroom. It's my pizza.
0: Mm. Oh, I'm I'm into that. I mean, yeah, that. it's been a little while since I've had Dominoes, but I did have some when they, you know, what was it, maybe seven, eight years ago, when they were like, "We heard you. I, we right. know our pizza <laughs> is gross, and we fixed it."
1: Right. What did you think? <laughs> what did you think seven, eight years ago? Uh,
0: well, so I, uh, I thought it was a massive improvement. Yeah. Over the uh, the old Dominoes, uh-huh. it's not even really fair to call it the same thing.
1: Right. Well, I would, I truly, I'm sure there are like, it's, I really should have been like, the, I love this local place where I love, like there's so many other, obviously incredible pizza places, but like, I'm telling you Domino's, especially over the last couple of years has really gotten its life together. And it is <laughs> the next time you have an opportunity, <laughs> I, truly you should order Domino's and you've got to pay the extra like buck or two for whatever the handmade is. It's, it is surprisingly good, truly. It's a very good pizza.
0: I will put that on the list, because I don't think that I've experienced what you're talking about. Do and it. I do have a local Domino's, so oh, there's do no it. reason not to. This
1: is the time. This is the time during the pandemic to really go for everything you could possibly think of. <laughs> this is it. It's the time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Celise, thank you so much for coming on. This was an amazing conversation like I knew it would be. Mm, and thanks, Blake. I would love to do it again sometime.
1: Yes, of course. Do it again for sure. I'm just here, and I love doing these. And you're great to talk to.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Blake. All right, we're going to put a bow on this thing. So okay. for Celise, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tone. All right, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode I really did. She's a delight of a person. And I can't wait to catch her live sometime when that's a thing again. And you should too. She's really awesome. Definitely check her out on the interwebs if you have not already and you don't know who she is. Get familiar. Familiarize yourself. You will be glad that you did. Alright folks, I think that's enough. If you want to hear more of this conversation with Celise, there's a little more over on Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash tonemob. For as little as five bucks a month, you'll have access to almost 100 extra episodes of the podcast, some of which are crazy, really crazy. All right, big shout out to Nick at Playback Engineering for making this episode possible. He is the man doing the editing on this thing because I am a busy, dumb person, and he's much better at it. And if you have a podcast or you're thinking about starting a podcast, hit him up at Playback Engineering on Instagram. He is the man. Seriously. He's amazing. Thank you so much, Nick. You did a lot of heavy lifting on this episode, and I really appreciate it, man. All right, talk to you all next week. Goodbye. One last thing before we totally sign off here I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company. And I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com slash StringJoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is is mob.com And that will take you right to their website and you can do all your shopping through there and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at gun street wiring shop. Yes. Gun street wiring shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what?